So, guys, I am actually a little excited to talk about this drink because of all the, the myth and uh, culture surrounding this one. Yes, myths, legends, culture, things happening and not being allowed to happen and happening again. And fairies. And fairies. It's, it's, it's an exciting drink. It's, it's tied into a movie that was really popular back in the 90s. Uh, Euro trip, exactly. Euro trip, yes. Yeah, Euro trip is actually partially uh, considered to be responsible for the, the resurgence mm. because you know in Euro trip, I mean, they they definitely drank absinthe in Euro trip. Things happen that people don't want happening, and we we won't spoil that for anybody who hasn't seen Euro trip. And that's the spoiler for today's episode. We are talking about absinthe, absinthe, absinthe. The uh, the Green Fairy. The Green Fairy, yes. Commonly commonly called the Green Fairy, and there is a brand called Green Fairy. There is indeed. There is. Anyway, I'm Stuart. And I'm Michael. And it's time for a good drop. Cheers. Cheers. sort of shoved, crammed some episode into it. We, we did, but we're, we're so excited. I'm, I'm excited. You're excited. There's so much content to get through it, about this stuff. And it's a really nice drop. Yeah, it's it's so good. If you like licorice mm. or anise, aniseed-flavoured things, yeah, then this is a fantastic drink to drink. It is so strong. And uh, our, our good drop and our top drop are, in fact, the same beverage. Mm. Because there's not many out here, at, out in the world at the moment. Not not many traditional, traditional absinthe style absinthe that that you can trust is genuinely an absinthe. No, and we're we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves slightly by saying it. But um, while while most alcohols have um, rules set down to define what makes that what it is, like, like whiskey, like whiskey and tequila and champagne. Mm. There is only one country in the world that defines what absinthe is, and that is Switzerland. You're not even going to build it up? I was going to add a drum roll in. Oh, you're going to add a drum roll? Yeah, it's too late now. We've, we've, we've missed it. But yeah, that's, that's Switzerland. So if which, something... Which is also the origin of... The ori- origin, originating country of... Of absinthe. absinthe. Yes. And, and then it... Because uh, originally... Well, it, let's, let's get straight into the, the history and legend of it then, because... Um, the, the precise origins of absinthe are actually unclear. Like the, no, no, the very, let, very, very early origins let, of it. Let's let's go back before history. What is absinthe? Ah, uh, yes. What it, well, I mean, absinthe is, of course, an anise flavored liquor. Anise flavored, yeah, liquor. A, a lot of people make the mistake of calling it a liqueur, but it's it's not a liqueur. It's distilled. It is unsweetened. It is unsweetened. It's not mixed with sugar in the bottle, which is an important part of what makes liqueurs. Mm. It is, yeah, it it is made from various herbs, but it must be made from wormwood, uh, anise, and fennel. And fennel, yep, absolutely. And they they do add some other stuff, some manufacturers. But that depends on who. On On who's making it, what flavors they're going for. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the green colour that it has actually comes from 
comes the from chlorophyll, chlorophyll in the plants from the wormwood and the fennel and mm. the green anise. Yeah, it from it the, what they to make it it's made with you know wormwood fennel. Yeah, and they anise they macerate it, they chop them up, pulverize them, and mix them in with pure alcohol, pure distilled alcohol. Yeah, and then they distill that. Yeah, to remove the bitter flavors, bitter traits, and to impart uh, complexity to it. And then they let it sit for a bit longer to get the chlorophyll out of the plant. Yeah. Chlorophyll out of the plants that are in there to give it the green color. Mm. I mean, not just the chlorophyll, but, you know, the flavors and Mm. scents and 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 everything that... All the other good stuff. Yeah, all all the other good stuff that comes out of the plants as well. Yeah. And uh, so it is... um, yeah, basically the same process as making any other spirit, but with very different ingredients. Mm. This it's probably the one of the more interesting spirits to make, like more most complex because you add stuff, then distill it. Yeah, exactly. And then dis- and then you distill it again. Then you distill it. Sorry, you distill it, then add stuff, and then distill it. I suppose yeah. vodka is the same, really. Mm, but then you you can distill it again, again. Mm. As, as well, but then there there is a second method used for uh, for making it, which is uh, known as the cold mixing method. And cold mixing is literally when you take artificial flavoring and artificial colors and pure alcohol and just mix them together and call it absinthe packet mix absinthe in, yeah in basically the same way that you get flavored vodkas yeah and which is um, not i i would call that not really absinthe yeah. at all it's and, just and in switzerland it cannot be sold as absinthe because switzerland says absinthe must contain wormwood must contain fennel must contain green anise must be distilled a distilled product of those things yeah which is what we're drinking now the pernod absinthe the first absinthe well, the first brand of absinthe, anyway. Yes. Uh, which brings us back to the history. Brings us back to the history, yes, because uh, it, would, it was originally in uh, Neuchatel, a uh, canton in Switzerland. Well, uh, let's let's go back before Switzerland. I mean, right, right, right back pre-Switzerland, back back to the uh, the very first. Record we need of, a way back uh, machine. We're going way back to to the very first recorded use of wormwood, which uh, was actually mentioned in the Ebers Papyrus in ancient Egypt in 1550 BC, which was a a medical use of wormwood. Mm. And uh, the ancient Greeks are recorded as having um, medicinally used wormwood leaves soaked in wine. And uh, there's also a record of the ancient Greeks drinking a wormwood-flavored wine. So potentially it had its origins then. But Though, it's a flavored wine, not a distilled Yeah, so no yet. one really knows. But it's, it's certainly it's a start of using mm. wormwood for medicines and beverages, which does, of course, lead us to... Humans uh, are so weird. They just... Oh, what, what does this plant do? Let's... Fucking stick it in a bottle of wine and find out. Yeah, well, and, <laughs> and that that does bring us because it was it was originally used medicinally, even in the 18th century when it first came up in any form looking similar to what we have today. As as a distilled spirit, 
it began as an all-purpose patent remedy, according to legend at least, mm. created by the French doctor Pierre Ordinaire. Far from ordinary. In Cuvée, Switzerland, uh, around 1792, apparently. Yeah. And uh, legend has it that he then sold that recipe to the Henriot sisters, who sold it as a medicinal elixir for a little while, before then selling that formula to a major dubide in 1797. Though there are some who say that uh, they had the formula all along and Ordinaire just showed up and he had found it somewhere else. Mm. But either way, once it was acquired by Major Debede, he and his son and his son-in-law went and started the first distillery making absinthe specifically in the world in Cuvée, Switzerland. And, and then, then... And then they realised that they can't produce enough in Cuvée, hmm. so they opened the first French absinthe distillery in... In 1805. In Pontalier, yep. France. Pontalier. Under the company name Maison Pernod Fils, which is where Pernod begins. It's uh, it's incredible story. It's incredible. It's, it's long story. Long story, yes, long as, story. as a producer of, uh, of absinthe. Mm. And uh, the, the popularity of absinthe after that began actually it's steadily grew in France. Skyrocketed, yeah, throughout the 1800s, kept mm. growing. To the point where by 1910, France was consuming some 36 million litres of absinthe a year. And there was 28 distilleries in Pontalier alone. Yeah. And when you consider how small a volume of absinthe one consumes at any given time, Hmm. 36 million litres is a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, we're we're talking about 68% proof. Like percent alcohol, yeah, for uh, the drop we're drinking now. So it's not it's not a not a light drink. No, and you you certainly you drink it slowly, very slowly. And uh, it was hugely popular. So so much so that uh, for a while, five p.m. was considered the green hour, the green hour. throughout yeah. France because at five p.m. people finished work and they went to a bar and they had a glass of absinthe. Yeah, and uh, by uh, by nineteen fourteen. And uh, 1915, though, it had been banned. It had, it had, lo- it had lost popularity uh, after, the st- after the steady rise through the 1800s. Uh, like uh, Parisian r- artists and writers like Ernest Hemingway, Charles Baudelaire, Pablo Picasso, Vince Van Gogh, Oscar Wilde, Edgar Allan Poe, just to name a few. Yeah, they, they, all, like, they all drank absinthe. it. It was massively popular. And, but yeah, getting towards the early 20th century, mm. uh, more and more distilleries opened up selling so-called absinthe. Yeah, and it, it became very cheap. There was so much very, in the market that cheap. the market pretty much crashed. Absinthe became really cheap. And because absinthe was really, really cheap, people were cutting corners to get their absinthe out. So they weren't even distilling it properly anymore. They were just, you know, doing the cold yeah. method. The, the the quality dropped and uh, some very bad press. Mm. Well, they, I, I'm not surprised because some companies were adding copper salts to the absinthe just to make it green yeah, instead so of bothering to distill it with enough herbs t- to give it the green colour. 
Yeah. It's and uh, so then it, it was banned. No, no wonder people went crazy drinking it. Mm. And I mean, during, uh, during the ban, though, that didn't actually stop people in France from drinking it because the French love an underground. And there, there was an underground movement where they were making absinthe. Yeah, they made but, their own. But they made it clear. They left out the steps of allowing it to, uh, to absorb the colors from the chlorophyll because if it was green, it stood out. You could tell people were drinking it. Yeah. If it was clear, it just looked like you were drinking any other clear liquor. Yeah, well, even uh, Pernod absinthe kept going through the ban up until 1960 even. They they were still producing absinthe. They they just had to move it overseas. They moved it to Tarragon in Catalonia. Yeah, because uh, there, there were a number of countries that didn't actually ban it. Not and, very many though. And they they continued production. Uh, like uh, Spain continued producing it, and uh, oh, I have others written here, but I can't find where I wrote them. But um, Britain never actually banned it. No, and, but it's, it still fell mm. so much out of popularity oh, yeah. that but, people w- wouldn't drink it anyway. But and, uh, interestingly enough, though, it was in the UK where it began its resurgence in the 1990s mm. when a wine manufacturer came to the realisation, hold on a minute, absinthe isn't actually banned here. We're just not selling it. Yeah. <laughs> and so he started importing it from one of the countries that was still making it. Mm. Well, it wouldn't have been Pernod Absinthe because they mm. actually stopped production yeah, it, in the 60s because no one was buying it. And then they, they released a Dionys, Dionys liqueur. I'm sorry, guy. Sorry, French speakers. I, I'm butchering your language. Um, so, and yeah, they, they produced a anise flavored liqueur because it was close enough to Absinthe that people would buy it anyway. Yeah, and um, uh, yeah. So once uh, once the resurgence began, mm. then uh, other countries started. Well, countries that had banned it started lifting their ban, because uh, people said, "Hold on, why is this banned?" Yeah, and they they realized that there was no good reason for it having been banned. There was a few things about people going crazy that couldn't actually be scientifically tied to absinthe. Well, they they tried. People yeah. tried. Oh, they they tried. It uh, took a very long time for the ban to be lifted in Switzerland, mm. and it, it actually wasn't until two thousand four that the ban was lifted in Switzerland. Yeah, and uh, it was lifted the, in the home um, country of absinthe. Yeah, the the home of absinthe exactly. But uh, the year two thousand actually saw Lafitte absinthe from France return to production. They weren't allowed to sell it in France at that time. France hadn't lifted the ban yet. But they started selling it in other countries yeah, that, where it was legal. that was the thing. The way they banned it was that you couldn't sell it yeah, in France. Exactly. And so then, yeah, so the, the ban was lifted there and then it was lifted in Switzerland. And it wasn't until 2007 that the ban was lifted in the U.S. Only 10 yeah. years ago. So U.S. listeners... Enjoy. Enjoy, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, definitely, it's, it's worth it. It's good stuff, and, uh, and in fact, I, I recall the first absinthe I ever had was Lafitte absinthe, and I had it in 2007. Wow. Hmm. It's, the, it's good yeah, stuff. The, the first absinthe I ever had was Green Fairy, <laughs> unfortunately. It's like probably the worst absinthe I've had because... Well, also the fact that, you know, I was 18, didn't know how to drink it properly. 
Yeah, and so. that's certainly it's it is one of the trickier things to drink correctly at home without a lot of expensive paraphernalia. Yeah, I I tried to find the right utensils to make this properly. I we're supposed to have sugar cubes. Uh, we're supposed to have a absinthe spoon, which is a basically a slotted teaspoon. It's got holes in it, so you can sit the sugar cube on top. And then you slowly pour absinthe over top of the sugar cube until it dissolves into the. Mm, well, bottom. and ideally you use an absinthe dripper. Drip. So you have this thing that sits above the glass that ha- contains the absinthe and some ice and slowly drips absinthe through the sugar cube. It, it takes several minutes to actually get a drink that way. But, but it's it is, perfect, yeah. It's because so good. the drop of absinthe passes through the sugar, slowly dissolving it into the glass. So it's perfectly mixed and ready to drink when you turn the little tap to stop it from dripping. Mm. Oh, and guys, if anyone tries to tell you that uh, flaming absinthe is traditional, no, it isn't. Uh, it was only the only record of flaming absinthe. What? Uh, yeah, absinthe with, you know, set on fire. Mm, set on fire, yeah. Um, there's no record before 1990. Yeah, and in the 90s, flaming drinks were very popular. Mm. And as you know, it's a gimmick. Yeah, well, and of course, flaming drinks have since been banned in Queensland because some alcohols burn clear and yeah. you can catch your face on fire on a drink you thought and was no out. no one wants to see that. No one wants to see that, no. And there's videos all over YouTube of people who have done that. Please. In countries where flaming drinks have not been banned. Please, if you do try this at home, please be very, very careful. Make sure it is 100% out before you put it near your face. Yes, put something over it if you have to. Mm. Just, yeah, make sure it's out, out, out. Now, uh, so, speaking of speaking, things that are out there... Speaking of bans yes. as well, the reason it was banned was because they decided that the... There was a substance in wormwood in absinthe called thujone, or however it's pronounced. We're calling it thujone, thujone. Yeah, and in in large quantities, it's a psychoactive. No, it isn't. Not at all. Um, that's that's one hundred percent a myth. Ah. Yeah, it's. What what it does to your brain is it's a, a GABA receptor, GABA, sorry, not receptor, uh, GABA uh, antagonist. So it it works in a similar way to caffeine. So like like when you drink a vodka Red Bull and you can drink more of them than you could normally drink of vodka because of the caffeine. Yes. I, th- I think that's probably what had happened. So you'd, you know, instead of drinking... A half a bottle of whiskey like you'd normally do, you'd be able to drink a whole bottle of absinthe and still be able to move around. Um, but if you, I mean, if you have too much thujone in your system, it causes muscle spasms and and then death. Yeah, and then, and certainly they they jumped on that as an excuse. But yeah. I I believe that that misinformation was possibly pushed by the wine industry who were selling the French 8 billion litres of wine a year. Conspiracy time. Yeah, well, because, <laughs> you know, when 
when such a massive monopoly is being threatened by something that is growing in popularity as fast as Absinthe was at the time... Mm. Of course they're going to feel threatened. Yeah, and in, in those days, you could say anything. People did say anything. Yeah, exactly, and other people believed it because you had money, which yes. meant you knew things. And now we see the violence inherent in the system. Yeah. It's a little bit crazy, but... Uh, but there you have it. Let's use mention of things that are a little bit crazy to segue into our odd drop. Oh, uh, yeah. Because uh, our odd drop for tonight is... Uh, drum roll. Mansonth, <laughs> which is Marilyn Manson's absinthe. Now, Ma- Marilyn Manson is actually a fan of absinthe, a big fan of traditional-style absinthe from way back. And he worked from 2005 till 2007 with the uh, Swiss Mata Lugenbühl, and if you're Swiss, I apologize for how I just pronounced that, distillery, <laughs> to produce an absinthe that perfectly fit the flavor profile he looks for in an absinthe, in a, in a traditional style absinthe. He's a very strange man. He, he is, he is, but apparently it's a very good absinthe. But it's very hard to find in Australia. It It, it is indeed. It's... Uh, Dan Murphy's listed on their website, but every single location listed as being out of stock. Mm. So if you get your hands on a bottle, give us a shout. Yeah, definitely, because uh, it, it is 66.6%, which we, we would... <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we expect nothing less from, from Alan Manson no. than, than to insist that his absinthe be 66.6%. <laughs> and that's, that, that's fantastic. Mm. The absinthe of the beast. 666. <laughs> Uh, so, up until tonight, like, tonight, guys, this is the first time I'm drinking absinthe the so-called proper way. With sugar and water. With sugar and water. Although, we MacGyvered the proper way with... Yeah, we we don't have the utensils <laughs> because they're very expensive. Mm. Or just... Awkward to get that. That is well, yeah, very hard to find. Mm. It's not a not a common thing because an absinthe spoon is a you know single use item. Yeah, and people don't like to sell single use items. No, well, and especially for something mm. as uncommon as absinthe. Yeah, and and consider for a moment that things that make their way, say, to a second hand store are things that somebody thinks is sellable. Mm. Whereas most people who didn't know what an absinthe spoon was might be looking through the uh, through a, an estate of a deceased relative or something and um, come across this strange spoon with holes in it and say, why the heck do I want a spoon with holes in it? Mm. And just throw it out. Or just give the whole lot to charity and the charity throws it out. Yeah, because they don't know what it's for. Mm. And it... They're, they're a very pretty, very odd-looking spoon that is literally only good for placing a sugar cube on and dripping absinthe through. <laughs> I, maybe maybe I, you could think of something else. But. I saw some hilarious shaped absinthe spoons. There was one one that I saw. Someone had made a vulva-shaped absinthe spoon. <laughs> okay. As you do. As, as you do, yeah. Some, yeah, so a little bit of Googling. There was a vulva-shaped one. There was a... Uh, like heat, there's heaps out there. Just people making them just cause. Well, I suppose why not? I mean, when when it's something that has holes in it, it doesn't need to be a practical shape, does it? No. You're literally pouring things through it. Yeah. 
it could be a grate. It, it would still it, do the job. Well, that's precisely what it is. It's just a fancy-shaped grate yeah. or a sieve. Yes, exactly. But I suppose it's absinthe is considered a very bohemian sort of thing to, to drink. Yeah. And I guess that's why a lot of the paraphernalia is very fancy-looking. Mm, like old-school bohemian we're talking. Yes. Uh, like back, back in the 18th century. 18th century yeah. Parisian stuff, not... Yeah. The boho look that yeah, not not modern boho. No, no. that's that's a completely different style, isn't it? Yeah, very very much it's, so. It's more uh, hippie, classy hippie than um, writer. I guess. Oh, I suppose that's the same thing, really. Yeah, well, because Bohemians were were writers mm. back back in the day, writers and artists and yeah, and the like. But apparently, it was in fact mm. at at its peak, drunk by. Uh, the bourgeoisie as much as um, as anybody else. Yeah, it's just that the l- people of lower socioeconomic status would drink the cheap stuff with the copper salts and the poison. Yeah. And therefore went crazy. Oh, you've got a good story about the... Uh, oh, yes, the, crazy... the, uh, the, the man who was used as an excuse for... Well, one of the many excuses that they put on for the ban... Mm. Which was that he, uh, a man in France, went crazy and murdered his entire family after drinking two glasses of absinthe. Now, they, what what they, the people using that as an excuse failed to mention was that he had consumed several bottles of gin and brandy before several bottles before the two glasses of absinthe. They they just ignored that, let let it drop to the wayside, and because he had had. Two glasses of absinthe directly beforehand, it, and it was clearly, the clearly, it was the absinthe that pushed him over the edge and sent him on a murderous rampage. No, he didn't have mental issues at all. No, no, never. No, of course, not. Uh, absinthe does that to you, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, it it doesn't. It um, it tastes like licorice, which is fantastic, and uh, it makes you enjoy life. It it makes you feel like you've just eaten a whole stick of licorice with every sip. Mm. Yes, I would agree with that. So if you don't like licorice, for goodness sake, don't drink absinthe. It's... No. It's, it's great if you love it. Yeah, I mean, when when it was banned is where other anise-flavoured alcohols like ouzo came into existence. Hmm. Because people still wanted a beverage that was that sort of a flavour. They discovered, hey, there's a market for this. Yeah. I, I do think that it is a little cloudy. But it's not not that like milky white that I was expecting. Mm, yeah, I mean, it should be green, but a little cloudy. The um, that when we were reading up on it, it said that uh, absinthe is one of the drinks that can, has the ouzo effect or luching, um, as it's called, where when you mix the when you mix it with another substance, another water-based substance, it becomes cloudy, like uh, Cointreau. Or, uh, uh, Dettol? That's a cleaning product. That is a cleaning product. (laughs) But it goes milky white when you mix it with water. Oh, true. Yes, it does. Yes. And, yeah, I think this is a little cloudy. I mean, it's probably hard to tell because it's nearly 70%. Yeah. Um, But what it is is basically the, the oils in the... Uh, in the alcohol normally dissolve in to the mix but when you add water to it it changes the composition and creates a, a, s- a suspension like 
or an emulsion, sorry, like what mayonnaise is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, that. That makes sense. That fits. I mean, how else would something that's yellow and brown become white, or yellow and greeny color become white when you mix them together with the egg yolk and oil? Ah, true. Good point. It's a. Uh, it's an emulsion. Well, sorry, we're getting all sciencey on you guys, mm. but. The cooking is my jam. I love cooking. Yes, so we've 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 lost track, <laughs> but uh, we've uh, actually sort of coming towards the end of our the end of our episode here. Yeah, so that means we need to rate this good drop that we're drinking. So, Mickle. Yes, it it is definitely a good top drop, a top good drop even, top and drop. Uh, I I would. We, uh, what would you rate this out of ten bottle caps? I would rate this probably an an eight out of ten bottle caps. I I mm. think and if I would say that that would be a nine if we had the correct paraphernalia to do it right. Uh, if if you're going to drink absinthe, the best way is definitely at a bar that has the correct paraphernalia to prepare the beverage properly it, okay. it does make a difference to the flavor right so i i would give it a give it a seven and a half because it's really good when you get it right but there's a lot of effort to getting it right it's not the sort of drink you can easily pour and enjoy yes very true to to actually do it yourself is much harder and that wraps us up. That wraps us up. So um, Thanks for listening, guys. If you'd like to talk to us about this or suggest anything we should drink or talk about or review or tell us that you've had Mansynth and what you think of it, then uh, feel free to email us. A good drop podcast at gmail.com. And uh, as always, check our, uh, check our Facebook, A Good Drop Podcast. Or even check us out on our own website which is uh, a good drop.com.au. Yep, and uh, you know, share us, recommend us to your friends, like us and subscribe on uh, iTunes. Yeah, and anyone you recommend us to, please let them know that we get better as the episodes go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh, we're, we're new podcasters, so we're not going to get everything right first time. Yes. But thanks for sticking around. Yes, indeed. And appreciate uh, you guys. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers.